So this uh, morning now we are going to hear the, the story of Pentecost that comes to us from the book of Acts. It's interesting how the kids' version uh, added a few more details to the story that might not be here in the actual uh, translation. But it did help, did help us think about um, what we're told here about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the disciples were already gathered for this Jewish holiday called Pentecost. That is not a Christian holiday in itself. It has become one, of course. Um, but while they're gathered, um, well, let's hear it. There's a rush of wind. Again, not a quiet breeze. So listen now to the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this sound, the crowd gathered and they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, Peter standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, no. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, we come today open open to the Holy Spirit. Allow it to blow into us and through us and change us. Amen. This is such a great story. 
It begins with the disciples, first of all, actually doing what Jesus told them to do. That was not always a given, but here they are. Um, they've waited together in Jerusalem. And then the promised gift of the Holy Spirit is delivered. It is not neatly wrapped, not, didn't come in a bow. But what we hear is that it came like a tornado, kind of wind blowing through, with something like tongues of fire on people's heads. Voices raised, ears opened, a time of confusion, like amazement and astonishment. And then Peter, right, of course it's Peter. Peter raises his voice and confidently says, I know what's going on. It, as we look back, we know that that would be Peter. I know what's going on. This is exactly what Jesus promised. And not only that, this is exactly what the prophets foretold. And then he quotes Joel. But if you look into it, it's also been told about the Spirit coming. We also read about it in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in Zechariah. There was a long history in the Jewish tradition that a Holy Spirit or a, a Spirit would come and dwell with these people. God's spirit poured out on all flesh. All flesh. Old, young, sons, daughters, slaves, free. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's back up and look at who is the all flesh in this story. And how did they come to know the name of the Lord? Verse 4 says um, that these disciples, in expansive, not just the, those names, but those all gathered, began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now this does not mean speaking in tongues, at least not here. That's not what's going on. What we're told is that these uh, believers, who the Holy Spirit came upon them, are able to speak, and they're identified as all Galileans, which would mean all speaking in the same dialect, the same language. They've been given this grace, this strange ability that they could not have worked for. It was a gift. To speak in languages that other persons could hear. So in this story, we get that long list of the names of people that have come here from Crete or Arabia, all these people all these different tribes and nations. They're drawn to this because they've heard this confusion, but they've also heard these new disciples speaking in their own tongues. In verse 5, what are we told? Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And the, the sound, the crowd gathered and were bewildered. Because each one of them heard these disciples speaking in their own language. All flesh. Because the disciples were willing to wait. That part we could stay with for a while. Because the disciples were willing to wait. To be open to receiving the Holy Spirit. Those outside their gathering could hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Almost certainly, almost certainly for the first time. So, right, the question we ask each Sunday, 
when we read the scripture is what does this have to do with us, right? If we say it's a living word, which we proclaim as Christians, that scripture is a living word, that means it continues to have something new to say to us. What does it say to us, Pentecost 2023, here at Stone Church, both for us inside and out? I want to note that in this passage, and I think this is really important to understand this particular passage, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not primarily for those who receive it. Now, we will have many scriptures uh, moving on in Acts and Paul's letters and the words of Jesus that talk about the Holy Spirit coming to us and giving us comfort or correction for those receiving it. But that's not what this particular story is about. In this story, all these Galileans received the Holy Spirit not so that they would know more about Jesus, but so that those outside would know more about God's power as revealed in this one they have come to know as Jesus the Christ. What this comes to mean for the early gathering of believers is pretty wild. Um, this small group of believers within a few days grows, what we're told is grows, grows exponentially. In Acts 2.41, we hear that so those who welcomed his message, and that's Peter's, so those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. Now, what you need to remember is that the 3,000 who were added were not exactly like those who are already there. Those who are already there were Galileans, were these early believers in Jesus. But as the word was spoken through the gift of the Holy Spirit to those outside, those gathered were brand new people. 3,000 added. The description of the beginning that we, uh, I don't, that we'll get to in Acts um, is that they had all things in common. No one was in need. That they worshiped together, they ate together, they prayed together. But not too far into the book of Acts, you begin to hear conflict. Not too far into Paul's letters, you hear that there was a variety of disagreements about how we should worship, what we should believe, what we should eat and not eat. How should we behave and live together? Because the people gathered were different. And through it all, the Holy Spirit remained. Guiding, guarding, correcting them, inspiring them into this expanding grasp of what it meant that all flesh all flesh, all people, not just a small group, but all people were to uh, hear the good news of Jesus Christ and know God's love. Back. Wait, we didn't answer it. What does that have to do with us? I mean, that's all well and good. That's now like 2,000 years ago. What does it have to do with us? Here's, of course, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think it has to do with us. 
that you and me need to be so open to the Holy Spirit, remembering that it is a gift, that the way we speak and serve and witness and worship draws others to Christ, draws others in that is outside of us. We need to expect, anticipate, even hope that those drawn to Christ through us aren't just like us. What? Right? Hmm. Not just Galileans, as they say. Um, I grew up most of my life, although I was born in Jamestown, I grew up most of my life since third grade until I graduated from high school in Hudson, Ohio, which is a suburb in between Akron and Cleveland. No one was from there. <laughs> Everybody moved there from somewhere. I had one person that I knew in my senior class, and I'm sure there were a few others, that had actually gone through entire 12 years of school there. That was my experience. Our church that I grew up in, although as I've told you, was very homogeneous in its uh, certain nature, um, no one was from there. We all had moved there from somewhere else. My family had moved from New York. My other family had moved from, my friend had moved from Illinois. When I came to Meadville, uh, Dave and I graduated from Allegheny and got jobs here, and then when I went into ministry and began serving a couple of rural churches, I was so fascinated and it really opened my eyes to what does this mean to be from here? I would ask people, are you from here? Oh no, I'm from, and they would describe a town that was like literally four miles away. But that made no sense to me. That made no sense to me then because I was from a place where no one was from there. Over these years, because I'm from here now, um, Dave and I have been married 41 years. We've lived in Meadville since we graduated from Allegheny, however many 40-whatever years, 43 years ago. I'm from here. And so I know what it feels like to be an insider now and to want people to be, oh, you're from here. I know who you are. It's a challenge, and it's going to be a challenge for you, welcoming a new pastor after me having been here for 12 years. You're going to be welcoming someone who's not from here, who comes with incredible gifts and graces. What does it mean in the congregation now as we move through this time of disaffiliations? It appears that something like um, the last numbers I saw were we have 760 churches in our conference. The last number I saw was that we we're going to be voting on the disaffiliation of 299 churches. That is a lot of churches. So what we are going to be invited to do as a church that remains United Methodist is to be opening, is to open up, is to say whoever you are in whatever church you've come from, Methodist or not Methodist, non-believer, I've never been in a church in my life, that we say we want you to feel welcome here. We want you to feel part of here because you come with your own gifts and graces. The Holy Spirit has come upon all flesh. What does this mean for uh, this congregation, for Bethany, for other churches, when it says all flesh? 
that the Galileans were now joined by 3,000 different people. We're told young and old, men and women. I'd say in a church, if we are white, we hope, we'll work for that our church will be welcoming to persons of color. If you're a person of color, you will work in hope that the church will look diverse. If we're straight, we invite gay persons to be part of our life together. If you're gay, you're welcome straights as well. If we're rich or poor, poor or rich. If we've walked in, if we've been wheeled in, if we walk with a cane, if we leap and run, however we got here, whoever we are, if we're married or single or divorced or a single parent or widow, whatever, right? Employed, unemployed, retired, looking for a job in school. There are so many ways that we can be different and have the spirit come upon us that all flesh shall see it together. Uh, it's part of the Messiah that we sing and all flesh shall see it together. So the Pentecost spirit, what do I think it has to do with us? My prayer is that the Pentecost spirit falls on us, the people of stone, that it blows open, right? Remember that crashing wind? That it blows open our preconceived notions about who is in and who is out, that we're able to speak in a way that others, everyone can understand, that we would be moved, blown away into a newness of a renewed spirit. That is our prayer. That is uh, the gift. Let us be open to it. Amen.